Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. How are y'all doing? I'm CJ Baumgartner, and we got lots to talk about with your Minnesota Twins. And if you're watching on the YouTube feed right now, uh, you can see I'm catching some nifty shades, and there is just a whole mess of stuff uh, behind me. Uh, my background's a little bit messed up. It's, uh, well, because I'm going through a move right now, and uh, me and my wife are packing up a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, yeah, we we have a lot of stuff, I think, is just the uh, the thing I've learned uh, in this process. And so it's kind of everywhere right now as we're getting ready to to pack up and move uh, just about 10 miles away, nothing too huge, uh, you know, in, in the next uh, three weeks. So we've been preparing for that. So if things look a little wonky, if uh, posting on the podcast is getting a little wonky, uh, just assume that's why, because we're going through that. But I'm hoping to get a new podcast studio set up and go a little bit more uh, with that. We're actually renting uh, this house that I'm in right now. So, and we're buying the next house. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I actually getting to own a house and watch me slowly uh, not know how to take care of it, but uh, hoping to get a new podcast studio out of it and really go, really go ham patty and try and figure stuff out. But in the meantime, I'm rocking some shades that I got at uh, a parade in my hometown. And these are my high school, my high school on here. Uh, for those of you who could see, uh, on there and uh just a whole bunch of stuff uh that's right in front of me uh i mean i have this bat from when i was in high school it's got my class on it it's a louisville slugger bat my high school coach gave me just a whole bunch of stuff so go to the youtube feed uh bombs away pod on youtube and go check that out and mainly uh yeah then you can close out right after that and come back to the podcast feed uh you know, you don't have to see my mug for the entire time. But if you want to, that's great. So the Twins uh, played a series against the Washington Nationals, and it sure was a baseball series. Uh, really disappointing if you're the Twins, not just to lose two out of three, but to lose them in the way you did. Because not only on Friday night did you come back from a disappointing two-to-one series loss in Boston, but then you had to come back against the worst team in baseball, maybe outside of Oakland, in Washington, and just got, I'd say, sent back home. But they were the Twins were the home team. Washington left uh, in a pretty good vibe, considering that they beat the Twins in a 3-2 to two win on uh, on Friday night. It was a really good game by Mally, and it was just cold. It was yucky. It was gross. And Griffin Jacks got... Uh, batting average on balls and played to death. Uh, it felt like just a lot of slow rollers and defensive positioning just wasn't quite right. And again, I know some people will criticize the defensive positioning. I don't got the numbers on on that specific batter and and if it was the right call or not. Uh, I'm going to go with they're probably in the right spot. Baseball's just weird sometimes uh, in the sense of basketball. You know, sometimes you can be in the right defensive position and have your hand up and contest the shot, but some guys still might drain it in your face. You can put yourself in as good a position as possible, but you can't stop everything. And that's part of the beauty of baseball. So uh, that was, I think Griffin Jacks just got really unlucky. Now Rocco has used him a lot and really has been kind of that clear number two to Duran throughout the season. If you were to rank the bullpen hierarchy, Duran number one, Jacks number two, and then below him is Jorge, Lopez, and then you go to Caleb Theobar, maybe even Theobar above Lopez, 
and that's kind of your top four. I thought maybe Jax would slide more towards the bottom. Didn't quite think he'd be number two, especially considering the capital the Twins moved to get Jorge Lopez here. Thought maybe he'd be involved in that mix, but either way, uh, I know there's a bit of criticism with Jax, and again, even today against the Yankees, which we'll get to that win uh, in a second here, but even with uh, Griffin Jax, I know some people will get on his usage, and I get it. Rocco is riding him pretty hard lately, uh, but I, it's fine. I'm not going to get too much into the weeds on bullpen decisions in, in April still. Now, if we get into the dog days June and he's all of a sudden uh, doing a lot of stuff like this, yeah, I can understand uh, the cause for concern. But I think overall, uh, Lopez and Jax are on the same level pretty much. I'm not – I mean – could you say one is better than the other? Yeah. And could you make that case? I'm sure, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here definitively and say that Rocco's making egregious mistakes. Now it was a mistake because Jack's even today against the Yankees didn't look particularly strong. Now didn't give up a run, but didn't have to sweat a little bit and throw over 20 pitches in his outing. But, uh, Overall, those are the, I mean, the Twins lose a game three to two on Friday night that they really had one and they just couldn't close the door. Even the Twins in the ninth inning were able to get a couple guys on base, but Miranda grounds into a double play to end the game. Just overall a yucky night of baseball. And then they followed it up with an even yuckier day of baseball on Saturday, getting blown out by a Washington team that just wasn't good. And something that pointed out on the telecast that Roy Smalley pointed out on the Bally's uh, broadcast was on Saturday, there was a pitcher, I think it was Chad Kuhn or something like that for the, the Nationals, and he was throwing sliders over the heart of the plate consistently. And the Twins just looked like they were confused the entire time. Their knees were buckling. They weren't getting good swings to the point of like, that was not a good game plan at all. Like if one guy does it, you're like, ooh, that guy's just not having a good game. He's not seeing the ball well. But when it's all nine guys in the lineup, either he's pitching the game of his life, which don't think he did, uh, and, or it's, you just one through nine, the approach and the game plan that you were given wasn't great. And, you know, the game plan wasn't great. The twins are also just aren't seeing the ball great offensively, uh, up until today. So there's a lot of other factors that you can put in there, but, uh, but really, uh, with, with this twins team and with, with the lineup is it's just not been, they've not been firing on all cylinders. Now, is it because of the cold? Is it not? I don't, I'm not going to blame it on the cold quite yet. Uh, we'll wait until this lineup maybe heats up a little bit once it gets warmer, if it ever gets warmer to really make that full call. But look, this Twins team has struggled and the, the pitching staff has kept them in most games, but the lineup has just not been able to give them the one or two more runs they need. And it's the opposite of last year, which is, you know, the lineup needs to give them seven runs because the pitching staff is going to give up five. Now it's the lineup needs to give them four runs because the pitching staff will only give up three. And outside of some few short outburst offensive games, the twins really haven't had consistent four run, four run, four run games. Instead, it's been 15 runs in one game and then one in the next two. And again, there were some calls on Twitter about Popkins, the hitting coach, David Popkins. I'm not ready to be calling for somebody's job in April quite yet. A little disconcerting. Now, if this becomes a consistent habit throughout the season, yeah, but I mean, it's one of those make a mental note of it for Popkins, but yeah, there's a lot of people being like, I know people like him, but if we need to, you know, I, I'm just not quite, I'm not quite ready to go there yet. It's still April. The twins are 13 and 10. The only team in the American league central with a winning re record, by the way, 
Chicago and Cleveland both lost today. So the twins also get a game again, standings watch in April. Not really, uh, not really the most constructive way to, to, to take your time, but still the twins in those first couple games just did not look strong. Uh, Pablo Lopez, uh, again, the cold is an excuse. He did not look sharp, uh, hit a guy, a lot of walks, got through maybe four innings. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but did not pitch well in that ball game and forced the twins to have to dig deep into the bullpen. Simeon Woods Richardson got the call up, made a second career MLB appearance and pitched fine. He finished the ball game off with the twins pretty much, uh, gave up four runs in the process. Not ideal, but he ate innings. And the whole point for him is to eat innings, get experience at the big league level in a very low leverage setting. And he's still projected as a starter, but could maybe be another in the long relief mix for the twins throughout the year. Um, but again, uh, in the final game of the, of the series for the twins, they were able to get some things going. Jorge Polanco made his debut for the season on Friday, immediately had a couple hits. Polanco had his first home run of the season. I think he has an OPS of 1100 so far in his first four games, which has been ideal. So Jorge Polanco coming back and guys, I can't tell you, I've been singing the praises of Jorge Polanco for at least the past three years of just how underrated of a twin he really is. I write for zone coverage. Uh, go check out all my work there and all the other twins and other writing work that goes on at that website. But uh, I mean, I've been saying it for years. How Jorge Polanco is an underrated part of this twins team. And you know, Buxton's their most talented hitter, but you could say Jorge Polanco, the most productive hitter in terms of Polanco consistently plays in a lot of games. He consists, you know, he might not have the, the ceiling of Buxton, but he certainly has a nice floor and he's able to produce and he's plays a fine and all right. Second base Jorge Polanco does a lot of things for the twins really, really well, takes good at bats. He's a switch hitter. Uh, again, I just, I really like Jorge Polanco and I know the future doesn't bode well for him as a twin, considering you have Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis, Ed Julian, um, Austin Martin. There's a whole bunch of guys who could play second base in the future. Uh, but right now, Jorge Polanco, a huge part of the 2023 twins and what they want to accomplish. Um, and again, just solid singles, barreling a ball up and hitting it out of the yard when he needs to, but just a really solid part. And when he can move everybody else down the line, that's the most important part. It's not just that you get Polanco back, although that is important, but what it means is now all of a sudden, I know the twins batted Kepler lead off today, but theoretically you could lead off Polanco, Correa, Buxton, and then put, you know, Gallo, Larnick, Miranda, Kepler, Vasquez Taylor or something like that. I mean, I know Gallo has been sitting at seventh, which is something that's been comfortable for him. I know Kepler has been hitting lead off and Kepler after criticizing him last week, I guess we bullied Max Kepler into, into finally starting to hit. Uh, although uh, I think with Max Kepler, uh, I, I think it's just more of, he's a league average player, which is what we've talked about. And the thing about league average players is they're still productive. They're just averagely productive. Their, their production isn't through the roof. But productive players aren't bad players. And I think, you know, maybe we, and we as in me, got out over the skis last week. But my main point hinges on, at least in rhetoric, but I think my general point of Kepler is a league average player. And if there are other guys who can play better than Kepler at an above average clip, 
then there's no point in keeping on with Kepler because you're he's not going to be here next year anyways. So if theoretically Trevor Lawrence, theoretically if Alex Kirilov comes back, then you can move Gallo to uh, to right field, keep Larnick in left, have Kirilov play first base, and then Kepler maybe goes into a platoon role or something along those lines. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. The point is with Polanco's, he's a really, really good hitter. He's been a consistent player for the Twins, and I want to look this up on baseball reference and or uh, excuse me fan graphs although baseball reference isn't a bad place to go look stuff up either the general rule for those of you who don't know fan graphs uh, if you're going to look up war which is wins above replacement which is just how much how many more wins do you give a team compared to a league average player uh and that's where kepler you look at his career war uh, every season is just it's it's above average, but not like it's very slightly above average. It's not a negative, but he's not a a vastly positive player either. Whereas Jorge Polanco, when you look at uh, the course of his career, and I'm going to type with one finger on my phone as an on-air production meeting with myself here. Uh, but Jorge Polanco has been a, a constant for this Twins team. Missed some time with that knee injury. Still don't know how 100% he really is. Maybe things flare up. But in the short term, Polanco is doing a really great job. When you look at 2022, which, again, he missed the last month and change because of a knee injury, still was almost a two-war player. In 2021, which is his most productive season to date, he was a four-war player. That's very, very good. A very, very good clip. And Polanco is... I mean, just over the course of his career, just solidly putting up numbers. Uh, when you look, he's a career uh, slash line of 271 average, 335 on base, and a 446 slugging. So, putting my Bertha math together, and by that I mean I'm gonna look it up on on Fangraphs. Uh, he has a career OPS of 780, which again you got to kind of sift through the 14, 15, 16 years before he became an established starter and then count out 2020. But really, uh, when Polanco's right, he's hitting at an OPS in the 800s. And right now he has an OPS of over 1,000. So Jorge Polanco, just a consistently good Twins player. uh, And he just helps everybody in the lineup kind of mesh back into their roles. Nick Gordon isn't forced into action. Willie Castro doesn't have to play second base. I know Ed Julian was playing second base for a while, but it just kind of puts everybody back into place. And again, when and if, Kyle Farmer comes back, it puts him back into that platoon of, you know, he can give him a day off or maybe he can back up Correa and give Correa a day off because right now the backup shortstop's Nick Gordon. Uh, But, you know, when it comes to Kyle Farmer, there's that video the Twins put out that he is all right, that he is in good spirits, which is really good considering uh, Farmer really escaped uh, having his entire face beat in. As much as it is, you can still see the big stitch on the upper on the lower lip, uh, but still uh, not an ideal spot. Good for Farmer, though, that he's uh, making the comeback and will slowly, slowly start that rehab process. Uh, but again, a couple other things uh, mentioned. Max Kepler starting to heat up, had a few RBIs over the weekend, had a couple nice hits in the Twins game today, uh, I believe, and had an RBI. Uh, so he's just been seeing the ball better. And again, the funny thing is, is when people get healthy, when you see Polanco coming back and getting healthy, and maybe not so much Polanco, but when you see Kepler, who maybe finally is getting right, maybe he's finally getting healthy, or maybe he sees Alex Kirilov hitting two home runs down in AAA and says, okay, all right, well, the moment that he kept, uh, Kirilov's ready to go, Gallo can go to right field, and, you know, is it me or Larnick? 
And right now, Kepler is at least doing a better job of putting the ball in play, hitting singles, getting on base. Although Larnick's drawing some walks, so give that his credit there. Uh, but you know, it's a little bit of motivation, and it's not necessarily a point in the finger. You're going to be out. You're going to be sitting on your butt if you don't clean things up in a hurry. It's just more of that internal motivation of there's somebody behind me and I need to be hitting well. Otherwise I'm going to play myself out of a job. And Max Kepler, after a rough week last week, all of a sudden over the weekend and and then on Monday's game has played really well and put himself in a good position just to hold down the Ford at right field, which is he's been able to do just enough of that throughout the course of the last couple of years to keep himself in a starting spot. And he might be playing himself back into that. And again, as we just mentioned a few minutes ago, just because you're a league average player doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad player. doesn't mean you're a good player either. And the whole point is if the twins are mashing at all and all levels and all of a sudden Kepler's the odd man out because he's just hitting at an average clip versus guys who are hitting an above average clip, whether it be Larnick or Kirloff or Gallo, then the math changes a little bit. But Max Kepler, and I wrote about this in my article for Zone Coverage, but the Cliff Notes is basically Max Kepler is a productive player because he stays healthy generally. He's out on the field. He is just above league average, like league average slightly above. You know, he's like 14th out of 30 if you're going to rank him that way. Um, he, Which, again, isn't a bad player inherently. And he's turning it around a little bit, which has been good. But he's not officially going to be forced out until the Twins have a reason to push him out either. Even when he was struggling, there's not anybody who the Twins were going to replace Max Kepler, Kepler with. Excuse me. He's a veteran starter who's been on this team for a long time. He's got a lot of credibility in the organization. You're not just going to push him along for Willie Castro to, to send a message or something like that. That's just not how it's going to work. Somebody's actually going to have to play leagues better than Kepler to force him out prematurely. Now, you can blame that on the Twins, especially if it holds up a guy like Kirilov or maybe gives Larnick less playing time of saying like, well, this is kind of a mess of your own making that there's too many bodies and there's too many left-handed hitting corner outfield bats. Uh, but whatever. I mean, a week ago or a week and a half ago, things were looking a little bit more dicey with the twins left-handed bats. Now things are starting to look a lot better. Joey Gallo hit an absolute moonshot today against the New York Yankees. Twins win six to one. Uh, I have some takeaways on social media. Go check that out at Bombs Away Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram as well uh, for for that video. But uh, the Twins got a six to one win. Sonny Gray was dominant again. His ERA on the season point six four. Pretty darn good. He has an ERA of under one. Uh, a dominant pitcher, a guy who looked like the the dominant arm in Oakland, who got traded to New York and never quite made it work, and then ended up going to the Reds and and now finding it with the Twins. Vasquez has been a great catcher, helping him along. Although Sonny Gray calling his own games, which is impressive enough. It's just really fun as a baseball fan to get to see a veteran, a savvy veteran pitcher like Sonny Gray in a Twins uniform. Now, the Twins have had guys like that. They've had Levon Hernandez, Bartolo Colon. They've had some big-name Twins. Uh, there have been some big-name Twins pitchers, but it's just that when they weren't a Twins pitcher, or it's just that when they were a Twins pitcher, excuse me, they were already past their prime. They are on the last leg of their careers. I believe Bartolo Colon the twins were the last team he played for. I don't believe he was on a big league roster or made a big league start in 2018. 
Levon Hernandez, I think, the same way uh, in 2008. So, get to, but to get to see Sonny Gray, who is in the back half of his career, but is still in his peak generally. He is still has a lot. The brain is there. He still has the stuff. And to get to see him work and to get to see him be on the mound and the command he has and like just in terms of just his demeanor on the mound and then his command generally when he's on the bump, it just has been really, really fun to watch because it's just there's something about a professional taking care of business, especially on the pitching side of things, which the Twins have not seen a lot of. To get to see that in Sonny Gray has been a treat to watch, and it's been just awesome to get to see a Twins player and a Twins pitcher like that get to get to do what he's been doing. And it's a revenge game a little bit for Gray and Gallo. Now, post-game Rocco Baldelli didn't really, he's like, yeah, yeah. he kind of downplayed, you know, the significance of a little bit, but Joey Gallo and Sonny Gray both didn't play in the New York series. Sonny Gray, it wasn't his turn to start, and if you're uh, jo- uh, Joey Gallo, he was on the IL. So he came back in the Boston series. He didn't play in New York at all. I don't even think he was with the team. So for Joey Gallo to get a moonshot home run on the same day that Sonny Gray pitches seven shutout innings has to make Yankee fans, uh, you know, they're not losing sleep over one loss to the Twins. But for this day, just a really fun day across Twins territory. Twins need one more win to win the season series against the Yankees for the first time in almost 20 years. Uh, interesting fact, by the way, Joey Gallo hit a home run about 430 feet. Uh, I want to find the official distance for that Joey Gallo home run because he just absolutely hit a missile with that baseball and the distance of the Joey Gallo home run had an exit velocity of like 110 miles an hour. Uh, just overall a massive, massive hit for Gallo. And it was the furthest hit that he, uh, the furthest home run he's had since he was a Texas Ranger. So that home run for Gallo uh, was I don't have the official number. At least I can't find it here. Uh, But that home run for Gallo, which was over 400 feet, was the furthest home run if he was a Yankee. Would have been the furthest home run he hit in New York. He's just more comfortable in a Twins uniform. He's out of the stigma of New York. Maybe it's the beard. I don't know. Because, of course, with the Yankees, he had to be clean shaven. So maybe it's that. But Joey Gallo feels really comfortable in a Twins uniform. He leads the team with six home runs. And, again, just... It's a bounce back season that the twins were counting on with Gallo. And I was a little skeptical at first. I know there were a lot of twins fans who were on the Gallo train and props to them because they were right. And I wasn't, I necessarily uh, just uh, was not in the camp of Gallo's going to all of a sudden just have a bounce back season for the sake of it. But he has been, and he's in a more comfortable environment. Of course, Thad Levine, the Twins GM, was in Texas when they were developing Gallo and when he first came up in the big leagues. Jace Tingler, the Twins base uh, bench coach, was on the coaching staff in Texas when he made his big league debut and came up and all that stuff. So a lot of comfortability on the coaching staff for Joey Gallo. He feels comfortable here. And him and Gray have been, I mean, Gray has been, Pablo Lopez has probably been the Twins' most dynamic pitcher, but Sonny Gray's been the Twins' best pitcher, been the Twins' most productive pitcher this season. And that's not even a slight on Pablo Lopez. That's just how good this Twins' rotation has been. And again, it's April, so let's take it with a grain of salt. The Twins have played a lot of cold-weather games. Let's also take that with a grain of salt. But 
if you are if the season ended today and the Twins were starting a playoff series and you were lining up Pablo Lopez or Sonny Gray in game one and then vice versa in game two and then game three, you turn it over to Joe Ryan. That's pretty darn good. And that's, a. I mean, it's just miles and leaps and bounds above where this pitching staff not only was last year, but just has been in the entire time I've been a Twins baseball fan. I mean, Santana and Liriano was great, but there wasn't a ton below them, and Liriano had the shoulder issues. And again, it's April, so there still could be injuries. Things could happen. But just overall... This Twins rotation is really, really fun to watch. And even when it's not the main five guys, of course, Kenta Maeda took a 111-mile-an-hour line drive off his ankle and still made the play and then went out of the game and then threw a bullpen session today and is expected to make his next start on Wednesday, I believe. Uh, Pablo, uh, excuse me, uh, Kenta Maeda is a tougher man than I. I posted on Twitter earlier. It's the the picture of just the sliders from Baseball Savant, and all of them are just on the red of like 99 of he got that dog in him, lunch pail guy, first one in, last one out, high baseball like Like everything you want in terms of demeanor and quality and character, that is Kenta Maeda. He's great. I, I wish that he didn't have to have Tommy John surgery in 2021, uh, and I just wish that uh, he wasn't 35 and that he could maybe be a twin for longer than this season. But uh, Kenta Maeda has been great. He's been fun to watch uh, him try and bounce back and just been a fun guy to have in that twins clubhouse. But again, he made he had to miss his start because he took that line drive. Now, good on him. He's going to be okay. Just seems like he just had a big bruise and has got to ice it for a while. Uh, crisis averted. He could have smashed up the bone. Apparently he was offering twins beat writers like, yeah, luckily I missed the bone. That was good. Although it still hurts. He's like, I can show you if you want, which a little bit of language barrier, I'm sure doesn't quite come across the same way, but, uh, you know, I'd like to think that he was threatening the twins beat reporters saying like, Hey, you know, you, you, you think this is tough? You think I'm being a wimp? Uh, come on, let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll feed the balls right now. Let's do it. Uh, anyway. Uh, but with Maeda missing a start meant that Bailey Ober finally got to make his 2023 debut and didn't get to six innings. He had five and two thirds with three runs. So not quite a quality start, but put the twins in position to win the ball game. After a bit of a rough first inning, the twins were able to, uh, I don't even think he gave up three runs. I think it was one run, excuse me. Uh, but had a quality start nonetheless, had some trouble in the first inning, but was able to pitch out of it, settled down, got into a nice groove. And I think what this tells you, and again, it's April and it's only been two starts, but in the two spot starts, the twins have had to make in their rotation, Louis Varland and Bailey Ober both came up, pitched confidently, put the twins in a position to gain in, in position to win the game. And they did win the game. So there's a lot of good takeaways. And again, the twins just won uh, against the Yankees tonight. So I'm in a little bit better mood where if I would have recorded this podcast a few hours ago before the twins game, when they lost two out of three to the nationals, my demeanor might've been a little bit different, but again, it's a disappointing twin series against Washington. It's one that you're going to look back on in September and go, golly, they, what were they doing? But you know, you, you can't try and ride or die with every single series. And I, I'm trying to do a better job of that because in a normal season, I probably would have freaked out a lot more about losing two or three to the nationals, but you got to, I'm trying to learn not to ride or die with every loss or with every bad outcome. 
in a series. I'm going to chalk it up to it being one of those times and move on because the twins now got to win against the Yankees and have a chance to win the series tomorrow with Joe Ryan on the Hill. But uh, overall, this is uh, a really good twins rotation. And not only is it deep one through five, it's seven deep. And even if you include Simeon Woods, Richardson, even if you include some other guys who are trying to vie for that spot, this twins rotation is deep. It's good. And just one last thing I want to finish up the podcast on. The Twins have been finding out a bit of the soft underbelly of their bullpen. Jorge Alcala got sent down after throwing a bunch of pitches in that series finale against Boston. Him and Pagan had to try and do some mop-up duty with with Maeda leaving in the second inning. Pagan, again, had a bad start, uh, a bad appearance. And normally, you know me, I'd love to rip Pagan a new one. Eh, I'm going to go with... He had to get rushed into the game. He didn't have time to warm up. It's the second inning. He wasn't planning on going into the game. Not ideal. You wish he would pitch better, but whatever. Sometimes that sometimes that happens. Uh, I'm going to give Pagan credit on this one, uh, or at least give him a pass on this one. Uh, Jorge Alcala did get sent down, though, uh, and there's, again, some. I believe he was sent down to make room for Bailey Ober. So now Bailey Ober got sent down today. The Twins are going to make a corresponding move tomorrow. Uh, But with the Twins' soft underbelly of their bullpen, there's pretty much been Alcala, Moran, Pagan. Those have been the three guys who have been yet to really be productive members of the Twins' bullpen. Because again, you have five starters and you have eight relievers. You have 13 pitchers. That's the max amount you're allotted by Major League Baseball to have on your roster. So you look at your four main guys of Duran and Thielbar and uh, Duran, Thielbar, uh, Jax, and Lopez are your top four pitchers. Then you have your long reliever, which right now is Brent Hedrick. And then, of course, you have uh, Moran, Alcala, and Pagan. And Alcala just got sent down. Uh, Pagan, we already know my thoughts on him and Duran, who's somebody who I had pretty high confidence for at the beginning of the season and going into the season. Uh, I've softened on that. Now, the big thing with Moran is he has a lot of good stuff, but he can't throw strikes and he just didn't throw strikes in the, in, uh, against the Yankees. He threw a lot of balls and then decided to hang one over the plate to DJ LeMahieu who smacked the single and then went right back to nibbling. And there's this thing, you know, Kyle Gibson would do it a lot early in his twins career. He'd nibble around the strike zone. And the whole point of nibbling is you're afraid to throw your pitches over the heart of the plate. Cause you don't have confidence in them. You think they're going to get shellacked a thousand feet. And instead you just, you know, nibble around the edges. And the thing about nibbling is, is you never actually throw strikes. You end up just throwing a lot of balls that are right outside the strike zone. And that's what it feels like Moran has been doing. Now there was the meltdown on Tuesday night, uh, which wasn't exactly his fault, but still didn't pitch well in. And then now uh, tonight against the Yankees gave up a run, uh, but avoided damage with having the bases loaded and nobody out really found a way to get out of that jam. But I don't know, man. I think with with Moran, he's he might have saved himself with getting him uh, out of that jam without needing Duran to come in the game. If Duran is to come in the game, and that's happened before. I was at the game where Moran pitched against the Astros. Twins had like a, a, a four-run lead, and all of a sudden, 
you know, Moran gives up a three run home run because he walks two guys and then Duran's got to come in and get un out, but you still have to bring Duran into the game. You still got to warm up and throw. And then you, you know, he's just not going to throw as hard the next day or just not be as comfortable. You're trying to keep him as fresh as possible. Moran might still get sent down to, to St. Paul, but with the twins still needing an extra bullpen guy that they're going to call up anyways, I doubt that they're gonna quite pull the trigger on that just yet especially since moran got himself out of dodge only giving up one run bases loaded nobody outs nobody out but anyway i think that's gonna do it for this edition of bombs away uh we'll see how the prognosis before we make a a full uh ruling on guys like moran uh miranda correa couple of twins hitters who have started slow on the season, especially with the expectations that those two had on themselves coming into the year. I will talk about some of all that stuff as the season goes along, but appreciate you guys. Check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, along with YouTube, and follow us uh, at Twitter at BombsAwayPod, BombsAwayPod on Instagram and Facebook as well. I'm CJ Baumgartner. This has been Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast.